Welcome back to Bob Talk with Talia Little. Welcome back to Mob Talk, everyone. This week, we are lucky enough to have Jaru and Noonga Man, Gary Hamaguchi, on the podcast. Gary, say hello. Hello, everyone. Hello, Talia. <laughs> what are? What are? Going to Mata. Mata. So, me and Gary have been learning, or well, Gary and I have been learning a little bit of language since being back in Alice, trying to deepen my understanding of my languages, because we have, I was actually learning from Nanabest today. The differences between Luracha and Aranda and Yankanjara. There's so so And Pradam is that another Yeah, so Luracha Pradam and Pijanjara are quite similar. Mm. And then Aranda is like really different. So she said a lot of Arandas can't uh, Aranda people can't understand um Pijandas. Yeah. It's like Nyunga, there's you know, lots of different groups but they all it's all the same language. But there are like a few different um accents, you know, so things Yeah. A few words they sound a bit different, but they're the same word. It's like when we say ua or oa or like there's another there's another thing. But I feel like everyone just kind of understands it. Yeah. So, Gary, I brought you on the podcast today to have a bit of a yarn. So, Gary has become my friend. I would say you're my friend now. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> Over the last couple of weeks as we have been fortunate enough to be on a project together, which is really exciting. Um, bringing it back to you, Gary... Where are you from? Who's your mob? I know I already said that, but let's take it back to you having the mic for a bit. Yeah, uh, so my name's Gary. Um, I'm from Broome. Um, my family comes from there. My mum is from Perth. She's Nunga. She's a picket, which is uh, one of the big families there. Um, is that um, one of the, that football family too? Like Marlon Pickett? Yeah, yeah. Oh, true. Yep. Do you know him? Yeah, yep. Oh, true. That's cool. Yeah. Um... I was going to say now. Oh yeah, and on my dad's side, um, I guess like Broome's a bit of a like a melting pot of different cultures because of the pearling industry. So you know, have a few different um, yeah mixes in there. I guess it's like mm. Japanese, um, and then also that's where my name comes from. But um, Tamagotchi. Yeah, it always reminds me of Tamagotchi when I first saw it. Do you did you ever use Tamagotchis when you were little? Nah, but yeah, I've heard that joke. Have a you lot. heard that? Oh, yes. Sorry, <laughs> it's a soft right. spot. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, Jaru, which is around Halls Creek, so I guess that's where um, my great grandmother got taken from and um, taken to a Beagle Bay mission. And from there, kind of moved to Broome, and that's where I'm in Broome at the moment. Hmm. I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> Something I was going to say about your name. No, I've forgotten it. Um, have you ever lived anywhere besides Broome? Uh, when I left school, I was very like adamant about moving away from Broome because it was just boring. I feel like that's everyone. Everyone, you, yeah. yeah. I think that's the thing that every like kid that's growing up in a small town goes through. So being from WA, it was like Perth was the place to be. So Perth was that like is that like the big city of Western Australia? It's the only city in Western oh. Australia. But Shame yeah, job. So, <laughs> I don't yeah, even know that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I moved to Perth for about three years after school, and um, just didn't really like it. I eh? didn't didn't feel. I don't know. I don't know what the feeling is, but just need to move back to Broome and just been there ever since. So do you feel like, even though you're from Halls Creek, you have that strong... Con- do you feel like you have a stronger connection to Broome? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, I mean, 
I've been to Horse Creek, but I've never lived there. So just, and just being from Broome, it's just, it's just home, you know what I mean? Like that's, mm. that's where our home is. And um, yeah, that's where I, I guess I just feel like most comfortable and most at home. And yeah, I mean, it's got a big like, um, like fishing and crabbing and mm. all that kind of stuff. So that's, you know, that's something that I've always loved and something I always loved doing. So yeah, just having that, I guess, pretty much at your doorstep because, you know, Broome is such a small town and it's, it's kind of like surrounded by all those things. So yeah, just having that. Yeah. So through yarning to you, um, I've kind of gathered that you're a bit of a hunter. Would you say you're a hunter? A hunter. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if that's really a word, but you've kind of yarned to me about a bit of your life growing up and with your dad and him being a pearl. Is it called a pearler or a pearl diver? Ah, uh, pearl diver. I guess you'd call him. Yeah, mm. pearl diver. Um, yeah. So our family, I think we're actually the first uh, non-white people to own their own pearl farm so um yeah he was a pearl diver and just being like i guess like you know if you're a pearl diver you're very like outdoorsy and so just growing up especially um when dad was working it's kind of like doing fifo you know we do like a, like shit like you a week on week off type mm, thing so yep. when he was back in town he really made the most of um being in town and spending time with me so i think i told that story before he would even come to school and say, um, you know, oh, there's a family emergency. I got to take my son out of school. But it was all just a big like lie to get us to go fishing. <laughs> so Nuji Wankani. That yeah. means telling big lies. Yeah. So we could go fishing for the day. And yeah, it's just growing up around him and um, all my uncles and all that. We all, everyone just kind of, you know, like going hunting, fishing, just. What was a typical day if your dad was to come and take you out of school? What did that look like? Um, it would always surprise me, so I wouldn't, I'd never be sure what it was. I was always kind of worried, like, maybe it is a family emergency this time. But, like, <laughs> I'd go to school and get uh, ticked off, so, I'd, you know, I'd be sad that I went to school that day. So, my, like, um, attendance wouldn't get too damaged, I guess. Um, so, I'd do that, and then it'd be pretty early in the morning that, like, a teacher would come in and be like, oh, Gary needs to go to the um, office, you know, there's a family emergency, and then... I kind of like I'd, I'd feel bad because I'd always be like, oh, that, oh, we're going fishing, but like I'd have to like try and hide it. You know? <laughs> yeah, like act all like, oh shit, what, yeah, what's I, happening? Yeah, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, family emergency. Yeah. Shame job though, if it was actually a family emergency and it was. Really... Sometimes it was, and oh. that's the problem where it was like you know I you don't know, mm. uh, but um, but yeah, like I'd rock up at the office and Dad would be there like in his fishing gear and like the car would have the boat like trailer attached and everything and <laughs> that's so funny he didn't even like try to hide it <laughs> but um but yeah then it would just be me and him and we'd go fishing um also like just camping would go um dad's has always been really good well not really yeah really good i guess um just in general just he's really shooting. great <laughs> so like he like he's he's always been like when he was younger like at home we've got all these trophies of his of like when he was um shooting in like competition and stuff like that so wow. yeah so he always enjoyed doing that kind of stuff and we'd go out um hunting feral pigs which was really fun um also you know we'd go get um like um, goanna and stuff like that and bush turkey um but yeah it was even it was that to a point sometimes we'd go out and we'd, we'd do it so much that the stuff would get would just give it away completely to other people because wow so you were doing this like 
weekly or every second week or something? Uh, or do you like, mean you're getting so much product? Yeah, it was more like daily, but it wasn't like hunting the same thing every day, but it was like doing something every day almost. Do you much. still do that in Broome? Uh, no, I guess I'm too busy working and like traveling at the moment. So, mm. you know, I try to, but yeah, it's just a bit hard when you're when you're always kind of on the move and not in your own country, so you don't really, you know... Yeah, absolutely. Don't really know where to go. You don't know the <laughs> secret spots. <laughs> what is the biggest fish you've ever caught? Like, do you, have a, do you have, like, a prize moment fish? Uh, just going back to... I know it's been all about Dad. I'll talk about Mum later, too. <laughs> but, like, Dad was never, like, a trophy fisherman. It was always just for a feed, you know what I mean? So oh, true. Okay. We did take photos and stuff like that, and we did measure things, but it was never, like... Like the 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 reason for it, it was always just like, oh, let's just do that. Ah, oh, now let's eat it. You know what I mean? So mm. the biggest fish, oh, I'd probably be. I think uh, I think it was a barramundi. I think it was ninety centimeters. So I never got. Never is that is that big? Like what? That yeah. So hundred centimeters is a meter, <laughs> and which is about. We're doing stuff with our hands that you guys can't see. Sorry, <laughs> but um, yeah. Anyway, that's a big fish. Yeah, that's pretty big. Like the I know that um. You know, a lot of people who go fishing for barra, they they have like a you know, it's you got to you're not, you're not join like the meter club. You know what I mean? Like, oh, is that a thing? Yeah. So, I've never. I don't think I've ever done that. But yeah, that'd probably be the biggest. Mm, did you I, see any sharks? Oh yeah, all the time. Really? Oh, not all the time, but like, one of the annoying things was always catching sharks because they're always hard to get off the line. Oh, like big sharks or just little baby ones? Like little baby ones, but there's some places you go and, um, you know, there's one place called Blackledge that had a um, hammerhead shark that would come around every now and then. And, mm. like, my dad and uncles would kind of get annoyed because that meant the fish would stop biting or... But I used mm. to be excited, you know. I was like, oh, there's a shark. How cool is that? <laughs> a little shark. <laughs> yeah. Did you ever get in the water with the shark? No, nah, I wouldn't, wouldn't do that. I mean, I've been, like, spearfishing and stuff like that, but never seen mm. any big sharks. Is spearfishing a, I guess, I don't know if you call it a cultural custom, but is it what mob up there do? Is that like a common thing? Yeah, it's quite common up there. I like just got, like, again, like Broome is, because it's pretty much surrounded by water it is, and the water's really, you know, nice and there's lots Beautiful. of fish. So there's, yeah, there's just a big culture in general about being on the water and in all the forms that takes. Mm. What's another, what's your other favourite hunting experience? One other one. Would you say fishing's at the top? Um, or shooting? Uh, it's, oh, I don't know. They're just, they're just different, you know, like mm. fishing and shooting. Yeah, they're just very different. I think I like both equally, but for different reasons. Do you get out there much anymore? Oh, well, you kind of said you were filming a bit. Yeah, and also, like, this year has been rough because I've been, I've been pretty busy and also my car's been no good, so I've just got my car fixed. <laughs> what <laughs> happened no to your car? No brakes? Yeah. Oh my god! Hard to go places. Yeah. But um, yeah, got those fixed. But yeah, still here in Alice on this other project we're doing now. But um, yeah, when I go back, I think we'll do a lot of that kind of stuff. So you've spoken about your dad. Mm. Let's hear about your mum. Yeah, well, mum, like I said, she so she came from Perth and then she moved up to Broome, and I think one of the things that just to like put into context, Broome is like right at the top of WA. And mm-hmm. Perth is kind of at the bottom. So Broome is a really hot. Like It's kind of like Darwin, I guess, um, with the humidity and stuff like that. A lot of people actually move from Darwin to Broome. Yeah. Like I, um, well, when I was there anyway, a lot of people would jump back and forth 
Because yeah, well, okay. when I was in primary school, because I feel like it was kind of similar. Also, yeah, a lot yeah. of the mob from there would go to Darwin, I think, as well. Mm. Maybe same same families and That's stuff. What, yeah, a lot of people have said has said like Broome is kind of like Darwin was, like a long time ago. Mm-hmm. You know, because obviously like a bit smaller. But um, yeah, I don't think she like managed with the heat too much. So what she used to do is just kind of um, turn the aircon on and watch movies in the house. Oh, that is a Darwin thing all <laughs> yeah, over. Yeah. It just sometimes it gets way too hot. Yeah. She yeah. had to do anything outside, so yeah. you just inside with the aircon. Yeah. And she and she was I think she's always been a movie buff, but just having that all the time, um, I think really like just developed my love for movies really early on. Mm. When I was a little kid, it was just it was something that we always did. And it was just kinda of like a special little thing, you know, like kinda of hunting and stuff with dad and movies with mum. Mm. Which is really interesting because kind of like the project now it combines both yeah you know in a, in yeah. a weird way and it's kind of like both your passions into one thing but we won't talk about that just yet yeah because yeah. we'll talk about that when we have a little press release why well, um, we can talk about it because this might get released i don't know i don't know when we're doing the press release should we just talk about we'll it talk about it and then you and then we'll ask the producers and you can edit out all right so yeah. the big reveal <laughs> yeah is we are filming a six-part documentary series about the Fink River, which is one of the oldest rivers in the world. Uh, and it's about its past, its present and its future. So, Gary, you being the director, I'll push it on to you to just have a bit of a spill. Yeah, I guess, yeah. So, the Fink River is the oldest river in the world. And I guess the idea is like looking at the oldest river in the world, running alongside the oldest continuing culture in the world and just kind of seeing what lessons we can learn to help us in the future. Because, you know... The way things are going, we're going into pretty like unprecedented times and, you know, looking at sustainability and land management and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, looking at how, you know, especially with like, you know, like dreaming stories or like songs and stuff like that, a lot of the um, land management is like woven into those, mm-hmm. the, the, like those aspects of the culture. So like, you know, when to hunt, um, what what is good like what you can take what you can't take and you know what things you can do to kind of make sure the country stays healthy it, it's all in there it's not there's no like separation so mm. i guess looking at those things and really kind of the idea is like looking at them and saying well th- these aren't just like stories or just songs these are actually like like science you know what i mean these are like scientific mm. kind of i don't know what the other word to say scientific something <laughs> it's scientific something <laughs> that needs to be kind of looked at i guess from modern science to be like this is we need to like this needs to be at the same level as modern science mm, maybe I, even higher because it's you absolutely know, it's 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 been developed over like you know six thousand years or whatever mm. like that so much of it is just so so much more advanced and so rich and rich and than the science that we have now so yeah, that's what's exciting about it from my point of view. Yeah, well, it's just a super exciting project for both of us because I guess it hits home for me as... Oh, by the way, everyone, I'm the host. I forgot to yeah, <laughs> mention so that. Yeah, should be a funny camera. <laughs> yeah, so yep. I'll be the beautiful face that you all get to see <laughs> when you watch every single episode of our awesome documentary. But it hits home for me because I'm an Arundel Lurature woman from Central Australia and I'm privileged enough to... And when I say privileged, I actually mean... I'm genuinely honoured to be able to um, be the forefront, I guess, uh, in front of the camera of this documentary and meet all these 
beautiful people and TOs and, and people helping out the community um, and have yarns with them and understand, we'll have a deep and underst- deeper understanding of my culture and how our storylines are another way of truth-telling. And I think it's really exciting to be black at the moment. Well, it's always been exciting, but there's a lot of push in the media for truth-telling, I feel. Do you feel that way, Gary? Yeah, absolutely. I think I was talking about this uh, recently with my partner about, you know, it's like, I don't know if it's just because I'm in it now and I can see everything, <laughs> yeah. but like, yeah, it just feels like a really exciting time, I guess, you know, where these stories are being told and, you know, people are wanting to hear them. Uh, just going back to what you were saying before about the, um, you know, like why you're excited to tell the story. Mm. That's something I was always worried about because I was like, you know, well, that's not my country. I don't really, you know, I don't have any connection there. Am I the right person to tell that, like, or to help tell that story? Mm. And, um, yeah, I guess, like, working with you, I feel like, well, I'm not I'm not telling the story. Like, you're telling the story and I'm helping you tell your story mm. and your story I can relate to as well of like you know getting a deeper understanding of your culture mm, absolutely and you being a Jaru Noongar man from Western Australia and you having grown up hunting and learning about country and stuff like that and obviously your partner Brooke who's awesome as well um, knowing a lot of things it actually assists my learning and assists the documentaries and it the document the documentary in other ways as well you know because it's a genuine interest of yours and that's why I was saying guys before when I said movies and hunting and whatnot I said that's why yeah that relates to our project (laughs) that's what's cool is like you know when you're in this industry you can kind of do these things that are like your actual interest like Mm. we were talking before about how it's amazing we're getting paid to do this because, you know, like... Oh, it's wild. Yeah. We're getting it's, paid it's to, It's like, actually weird. Hang like, out with these old people and hear these old stories and get taken to, like, real special places. Absolutely. And I guess I can say the same for you. This is probably a bit of a passion of both of ours. Well, a lot of people on our project about caring for country and educating and we're very proud Aboriginal people and to help you know, our TOs that might not have a strong voice in the media tell that story as well, but also in a way that's super empowering, super Mm. inspiring. And we want people to get out there and make change in the world, essentially, because we've been talking to a lot of climate change people. And I think Gary and I have learnt so much, so much that we've just been in the car and we're like, we're just going to die anyway. So yeah, (laughs) it is a bit depressing, but I guess... You're either going to, you know, just give up or try and do something. So, yeah, yeah, I guess we're just trying to do something. Something. (laughs) Guys, please watch this and affect change in the world. Yeah. So another part, you know, of this series is we're going to hope to have like a a resource, I don't know, a center online, I don't know, resources online that you can, you know, hopefully instead of just, you know, just watching it and not, not knowing what to do, you can, you know, watch it and then be like, all right here's how you help like in very like practical ways Mm. I think is really important as well so hopefully everyone that watches you know there's yeah something that you can take from it yeah and and there's some there are things you can do to kind of make change absolutely big I think a big thing too is everyone just has to do a little bit you know what I mean yeah so this is our bit and for all you mob you have to 
do something else. You see, <laughs> yeah. you actually have to join every single climate change network <laughs> yeah. and petition. No, yeah. um, well, that would be awesome if you did that. What we've actually learned as well um, is that things like keep cups and reusable bags and whatnot, they're great, but they're not enough anymore. We have to start to join the climate networks and um, put our name name down for things because that's the only thing that's going to put a pause or a hold on these big companies making big decisions that'll affect us. Yeah, absolutely. Like just putting pressure on on you know the big, powerful companies to make change, and also you know on the government to make sure they kind of make change themselves. Fuck the government. Nah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. No, there's good there's good people in the government, and you just have to figure out who they are to support them and you know then they do their part so we do our part they do their part and we support you know it all just kind of works Mm, one of the things i guess that we'd want to happen as well is more joint management across a number of levels we were talking about this the other day i think gary where it's not just aboriginal people it's not just non-aboriginal people it's every single person in this world needs to start doing something and i guess i can be guilty for buying clothes from kmart sometimes you know all of that fast fashion but it's educating yourself enough to make those small changes and then the bigger ones as well like joining if you guys have instagram which you definitely do because you listen to this podcast um join seed climate youth network they are awesome they send you these daily deadly little emails with customized name on it so i always feel really important when they message me <laughs> shame job i don't get enough good emails um but yeah things like that so it's going to be really exciting it's we're stoked we're going to be out on country for five weeks yeah we're going to be camping for five weeks so the journey you see in the series will be what we actually are doing in real life, which I think is going to be pretty fun. Yeah, like we're actually camping for five weeks. We've got our camping equipment. They're really, it's really like, it's pretty flash, eh? Yeah, we're we're not used to this. I was <laughs> like, I was, I was saying to one of the people, let's get these metal beds from um, Tempe Downs, which is where my family's from, that they've had for what, like 40 years. And then I was like, oh, actually, no, nah, you guys, we'll just get other beds. And we, they bring them back, Gary and Sam, our production manager, bring them back. And they're these like flash beds with the biggest cushioning. So comfy. So I'm actually pretty stoked to be camping every night. Yeah, it's going to be fun. And it's getting, I think the weather's really lovely too. Mm, so hopefully I'll get a safe tan. <laughs> a safe tan. I actually had, um, I went to the skin doctor once and just like recently. And she said to me that no tan is a safe tan. Yeah, I think that's what they say. But then what about your vitamin D, you know? I don't know. I mean, I'm not a. I don't scientist. know. Anyway, <laughs> I don't know. We're doing a climate change documentary, yeah. not like a not a not a skin documentary. Yeah, that'd be the next one we could do. Yeah, we've actually had a lot of documentary ideas from this, so stay tuned. Hopefully, well, we know it's going to be a great documentary, but you know, you never know what the future holds. Yeah, I mean, it's hard, eh? Because you kind of get overwhelmed. You're like, there's so many stories you got to tell. Mm. and there's not enough time to do them all. Absolutely. And we want another thing we want is for people to see this and want to get out there because I guess one thing I've learned in the last six weeks of being in Imbantua is that time is precious and being in COVID in Melbourne for the last two years has been pretty shit. Excuse my swearing, but it's true. Um, and to be on country right now and have a bit of freedom, sending love to all the Melburnians back home and all the Sydney people, but to know that our climate is getting worse, to just get out there. I want everyone to get out, go to the beaches, go to the beautiful spots, respect the TOs, learn about the stories of country while we can. 
I'm not saying we're all going to end up in disaster mode like 2012 movie, but I just mean <laughs> like, you know, I think that'll influence the way that you spiritually feel about helping with the climate as well. Yeah, absolutely. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm. So that was very well said. That's yeah. why you're the host, I guess. Oh, stop <laughs> yeah. it. You can actually talk, you know, Gary. Yeah, I know. It's like, weird. Like, I'm just kind of sitting here just listening. No, no, no. No, that's <laughs> not what I meant. I meant you, you're a good talker. Like, you're a good question person as well. I was thinking that the other day. Oh, like, well, I mean, I've done a few documentaries and, you mm. know, when you're directing without a host, you are the one that asks the questions. Oh. And, you know, I've found just by doing it, it's it's so much better. Like some people, when they first start doing documentaries and they're interviewing someone, they treat it like a proper interview where they have like a list of questions and they just go through. We're running out of time? No, 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 no. Yeah. I was checking if it was on. Oh, okay. Is it on? <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's, on. it's on. Um, so they just have a list of questions where they go through like just like a checklist. Like I've got, I've got to ask 10 questions and they're not actually listening to the answers. They're just worrying about the questions mm. and then for the person being interviewed that's really hard so I yeah I don't know I've just over the years tried to get better at looking at the questions and then just forgetting about them and treating it like a conversation mm. and being that, yeah. yeah and then that it just opens up they open up a lot better so we'll put a pause on this director talk for a second yeah, let's take it no 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 let's take it back to when you left high school now I didn't know this but you did mining for like six years yeah, oh, that's a pretty boring story. So I wanted to be a filmmaker <laughs> yep. ever since I was a little kid. Oh, I wanted to be a lot of things. I wanted to be like a scientist or mm-hmm. a ranger or like a marine marine biologist or something like that. I thought that. you were going to say someone that goes to the moon for a second. <laughs> I was like, that's a high achiever. But um, I think I realized I was like, all those things I just want to be because I see them in movies and what would be more fun would be to do the movies because you can do all of them without having to, you know, fully commit to one thing. Um. And then when I was a teenager, I just got sick of school and I wanted to leave in year 10. And dad was like, oh, I'll support that, but only if you get an apprenticeship. So anyway, had a long process and ended up getting an apprenticeship with Rio Tinto. And I stayed in school too, because my maths was actually not that good. And Rio mm-hmm. were like- We've proven that today too. Stay in school. <laughs> I mean, no, last night when we were trying to, or the other night when we were trying to add up, it was like 30 times six or something. No, I got it, didn't I? No, it was you didn't. You, it was your you mob that was like. No, nah, I don't think it was. Anyway, we'll take <laughs> yeah. it back to what you were talking about. Um, yeah, so that that happened, and then I guess it was just a bit of confidence. I didn't really have confidence in myself that I could be a filmmaker because you know filmmaking in Australia isn't that big compared to like America or something like that. So um, yeah, I just didn't have the confidence, so I kind of stayed in mining for about six years it took me six years to finish a four-year apprenticeship why because i left halfway to go to film school oh so you did okay you did go to film school but i only stayed in film school for like two months and then i left out at that as well because mm. yeah i didn't i don't know i didn't really like it so do you feel like you don't like the typical school style teaching is that why um yeah i think so i've just i've always been you know i learned better quicker by just like doing things. Doing, yeah, that's doing, me too. Instead of like having someone tell me how to do it, yep. I want to just like try and do it. That's like TAFE. TAFE is better. Yeah, I think that's why I did really well like in an apprenticeship, you know, even though it took six years, but like that was because I left and then I came back and had to kind of mm. start again. So were you making little films throughout that time of mining? Uh, yeah, I was. So 
I did one film in film school and then I left. And that was pretty good. Like the lecturer really liked it. And then from there, I didn't really do much for a couple of years. But then, yeah, I started doing just little stupid little like sketches, like sketch comedy type stuff that I put on YouTube um, that I'd like act in as well. Oh, so you were... Yeah. Would then, you ever try acting? Nah. I only did that because I couldn't find anyone else <laughs> to do it. <laughs> Last option. But um, yeah, and then from there, uh, when I was coming to the end of my apprenticeship, I guess I was at a like a crossroads, I guess, where I was like, I could stay because they, they did offer me a job mm-hmm. and I could stay and then, you know, be quite comfortable and maybe even like buy a house and stuff like that. Or I could like leave and try getting into filmmaking and um yeah i guess i just made a decision to you know make that leap and go into filmmaking so like doing those short sketches and stuff it was actually really useful because then they got me my first like professional job on black comedy season three as a writer so mm. they had an open application and then i sent them application also sent in some of those sketches and from there they seen something they liked and got me on in the um writer's room yeah wow did you always feel like did you ever feel i don't know the word is for it like it was going to be too hard being a young aboriginal boy in broom yeah to be a filmmaker yeah um yeah like that's um what i was saying before like i didn't think it was possible Mm. um just like in general you know what i mean and then I guess seeing, like, when I was a teenager, seeing um, Samson Delilah was probably the, a big, like, pivotal moment because I think it was just before I was leaving school. 2008, I think that movie came out. Yeah, so I was in year 11 and, um, yeah, seeing that and I was like, oh, my God, like, this is amazing. And then um, just kind of, you know, looking more into, like, Warwick Thornton and, all, and you know, Wayne Blair and those kinds of guys. And then... Um, you know, when I did my first job in black comedy, I got to meet them and like they came for the day and I worked with them and it was just like this amazing thing where I was like... It clicked. It clicked and I was like full of confidence. I was like, this is possible because I literally just met the people who have done it before. Like I'm not saying they're the first ones to do it because, you know, I guess I, being young, I still didn't know that much about Australian cinema. Mm-hmm. So it was a lot of, you know, American movies and all those types of films. But um, at that point, it was I wasn't really exposed to much of that. So, yeah. So from Black Comedy, where did you go from there? Uh, from there, I did a short film with Screen West. So Screen West um, had these little initiatives with it just to help upcoming filmmakers. So uh managed to get some funding to do a short film with that. And then... Um, did a documentary about seagrass called Saving Seagrass with Screen Australia. And then... Did these opportunities come to you or did you go to them? Um, uh, Yeah, well, it's kind of like... So in Broome, there's um, Galari Media and I did a lot of work with them as well. So I've skipped over a lot of things, but also I went to them and um, did a lot of... um, camera assisting and then um, worked up to camera operating. So I kind of built a relationship with them and they have a, a Galari Writers Room, which is really, sorry, Galari Writers Group, which is really um So you were doing writing? Yeah, so I was doing writing. So that was um, Dot West and 
Mari Louie. Um, they run that, and Jody Bell is the is I don't know the big boss of Galari. She's also a producer, so those opportunities didn't really come. I didn't really find them. They they came to their mob, and then they kind of showed it to me because they knew I was doing stuff and like interested. Mm. What is some advice you could give to a young person or a person in general, but to that wants to get into filmmaking? Or just, yeah, into this industry as such? Um, I don't know. It's like a very cliche thing. Everyone always says, like, just do it. But it is, like, the the best advice. You just got to do it. And do it yourself. So then you can... That's the best way to kind of learn, I guess, you know. And even, like, entry-level opportunities, they still require, like, some sort... Something to show your work. Mm-hmm. So you really have to kind of build that yourself. And I think, you know, whatever aspect of filmmaking you want to get into you should write direct and you know pick up a camera every now and then you'll do sound as well because sound is something that's always overlooked by um new filmmakers mm. and something that's really important i'd say sound is more important than video really because you can you can go you can get away with video not being the best quality but, but if, if the, sounds not the best yeah. quality, then it just looks. Well, that's it weird. sounds, yeah. Yeah, it just looks shit. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't <laughs> We're gonna work. beat that out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like that's. I think that's a big. That's a big thing. But just having like dipping your toe in every little aspect of it. Yeah. So just when you do kind of find the area that you want to be in, you Try have everything. A, you have a you you have an understanding of how every every department works because film is very collaborative and everyone you know has to work together. So. Yeah, I feel that. Like me, I have this opportunity now mostly, I wouldn't say mostly, but mostly because of this podcast. Like I found something that weirdly enough, I love talking and I'm pretty good at it. I can talk, I can talk for hours. So I was like, what can I do that installs that in a job that I could do? Podcast. So then I used that with my passion of empowering people and I thought mob talk. I did start it with someone else originally, but um, then through that, I kept doing interviews and interviews and then this opportunity came up because I was doing my own little thing and that was kind of relating to you, how you were doing those sketch videos and then that landed you an actual job. Yeah, I think that's what I was trying to say. You're like, you know, do do things yourself and the opportunities will come mm. and you'll be ready for them. And don't have shame. Yeah, don't be shame. Like yeah. that's the other thing too is, you know, all of my things I did – at first were really really like bad and cringy <laughs> but i kept doing them you know what i mean like you, just yeah. gotta, you won't you won't be good straight away so and you have bad days yeah you have bad days there's been times where i've done a podcast with someone or like even at the start of this i was really nervous so it happens but like you just got to keep going and then put yourself out there as well and connections are huge that's it yeah like putting yourself out there then you get those connections mm-hmm. and yeah those connections are everything like connections in all aspects of life, I think are really important. Absolutely. And even if you don't really like someone, you should try and keep a base level connection with them. Not keep a connection, but make sure you're not doing anything to sabotage that because you never know what could come out of that person or that opportunity. Yeah, I think it's just like, you know, don't don't burn bridges and stuff like yes. that. Yes, yeah. because you never know like where that will get you either. Yeah, that's it. Mm. So taking it back to the sketch films, Yeah. <laughs> what did that look like for you? 
Um, what do you mean? Like, were they? Like, what were they? Like, little? Didn't you say sketch comedies? Yeah. So I, oh, I just did this thing. It was like a. Um, it was kind of. It was basically exactly like Russell Coit's All Those Adventures. Have you seen that? No, I haven't. Uh, it's just like this um, parody of like, you know, the, the, the TV shows where they have like a, a bushman going out and showing you how to survive in the bush. Oh, like Bear Grylls. Like, yeah, kind of like Bear Grylls, but I did it with specifically with animals and I was like, I think it was like Deadly Animals <laughs> with Dr. Gary, but like it would be like, it'd be like hermit crabs. That is so funny. But I try and make them like dangerous. <laughs> I want to see these videos. Have you still got them on YouTube? Nah, they're gone. You can't see them. <gasps> Do you have them with you? Nah. Oh. Did you delete them just fully? I don't know where they are. We'll have to have a look. So what did this dangerous hermit crab look like? Oh, it was just a hermit crab. <laughs> and it was just me being stupid, trying to like, <laughs> um, like build it up that it was a dangerous thing. And did you do that with lots of animals? Oh, I think I only did two. One with hermit crabs, one with a snake. And then I kind of oh, abandoned s- it. Snakes, is that's scary. Hermit crabs, not so much. It's actually really hard to act with uh, animals, I found out. Really? <laughs> yeah. Is it like, kind of like one of those voiceovers? Have you ever seen like Snoop Dogg voiceover animals? Like David yeah, Attenborough? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Real funny. And that was like, just like, yeah, I think there's a whole like sub genre about, you know, getting those types of um, mixing comedy with like nature and stuff like that. Mm. So were they the videos that helped you get into black comedy? Yeah, so it was specifically that one with the hermit crabs. I think, oh, the one with the snake. That the I want to see this. Of a black comedy scene, and they really liked it because they thought it was a bit different. Like the thing with black comedy, that was at season three, and you know, one of the rules was no, um, no sketches that have been done before, and. It was really hard to do when they've done, you know, three seasons of this show already. But I think something with that, with their snake, they said they really liked it because I didn't swear much. Mm. And they were saying, I don't think I swear at all in that. Like I was trying to make it wholesome, I guess. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, I think that's the thing that kind of got me a spot on in that, with that team. So then what did your black comedy episode look like? Oh, so you don't write an episode. So it's a sketch show and you just write a whole... It's just every episode is a whole bunch of sketches. Mm, so you were a writer, not a director, or you are both? No, I was a writer on that. So that was um, there were 15 writers and we're all up-and-coming um, talent, I guess. And, all diff- and, you know, it was quite daunting because I was like, I'm in a room with all these, like, super funny people. And I was like, <laughs> I don't think I'm that funny. <laughs> And some of them were like um, stand-up comedians and stuff like that. So they were very comfortable. So what we had to do, um, we had a week in the writer's room and it was like from nine till six. And it was like in the morning, you'd like get up in front of the rest of the group and pitch a character and idea. And then you, you spend the most of the day writing sketches. And then I think at lunchtime you'd do the same or you'd do it just before. And then and before we left we would read out some of the um, sketches we've done to the group. And like, I don't really like public speaking anyway, but then to try and be funny on top of that, <laughs> but also like in a room full of like some of these, like um, that's where I met Gabriel Willie, the Bush Tucker Bungie. Like, oh, that bloke, like he yep. was in there and he was like, you know, he's, he's very, he's a performer. So he's very comfortable, um, you know, getting up in front of people, but also he's like, he's just hilarious. He's one of the funniest people I've ever met. And he, 
so he like he would get up and do something and the whole room would just like crack up and I'm like oh I gotta go after, I gotta go next now <laughs> and, like, and like here's my idea <laughs> did you get a few laughs yeah a few laughs but sometimes like some things felt can you remember felt it felt flat like remember a sketch nah it was just it was like it was just a blur it was so much like we were just writing all day every day um but that was good too is like it really kind of like broke me <laughs> you know <laughs> where I was like <laughs> like made you feel really vulnerable uh, not vulnerable, but like, where I was like, uh, if they don't laugh, it's okay. Or like, if this idea isn't that good, it's okay. I'll just do another one. And it just, it was really mm. good. I, I realized it as my first job because it really made me be like, if it doesn't work, just do it. Just try again. Mm. You know, don't be too precious with your ideas. Like, Absolutely. Yeah. I always make that a thing when I'm working in groups, I say, even if your idea, you feel like it's shit, put it in. Because generally at the end of the day, you take a bit of everything from everyone. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Are we back? Yes, we are back. We are back. Hi, everyone. Um, you, We will have cut this, so it doesn't really matter. But the thing went flat. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, back to the story. That's um, <laughs> person who's it. Yep. Thanks, Dion. Um, Thanks, Dion. Woo. So, let's talk about your short films. Now, I am a shit friend because I haven't watched them yet. But as we were saying, I'm a very unproductive, productive person. Yeah, I'm not very productive. I don't... I don't know what you said. But it didn't we make have sense. Good, <laughs> we have good intentions. Yeah. And that's about it. So, I've sent Talia all my short films like two or three weeks ago and you still haven't seen any of them. So, yeah, I don't really know Some of us are working, that. mate. <laughs> Some of us are here to work. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm joking, but... Let's talk about your short films. You just started off because I haven't watched them yet. So um, Yeah, I made some short films and they've been into some festivals. Which is awesome. Yeah. I'm learning Which a lot about cool. film festivals, guys. Film festivals are and really fun. it's sick. Mm. Um, yeah, so I just made a, I've made a few short films now. So um, I guess that's just like the natural kind of steps you take is, you know, you start a short films and you go into a bit bigger. So this... Uh, TV documentary series is actually the biggest thing I've ever done. Which is awesome. Which is really cool and hopefully will lead to more thing, bigger things. Bigger and better things. Bigger and better things. Maybe we start a documentary series, Gary. Just yeah. a documentary. No, I don't mean like what we're doing. Yeah, <laughs> I mean a series one. of documentaries. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about your short films. What was your favourite one and why? I kind of hate them all. Oh. Because, you know, like you look <laughs> at it and you're like, oh, I could have done that better. Or I should have mm. did this. Or I should have wrote that differently. Um, but yeah, I think, well, they're just like, a, they're, they're to kind of, they're there to build your resume. <laughs> what about, <laughs> you know what I mean? So. I just hate them all. I just hate everything. No. What about from an objective point of view, which one would you love if you weren't you? Uh, I don't know. I mean, the last one I just did was with, uh, dogs, was with an animal and, children and like that's like a very classic thing of people saying don't work with animals or children when you're working in the film industry so the whole film was just animals or one animal and children but I actually found it really fun and easy because kids are like natural actors you know like they, they're they always are, playing and, they? doing, and you just tell them if you can I think the problem is the people that work with kids that have a problem is they're like too old mm. like I don't mean old as in age. I just mean like they've they've forgotten what it's like to be a kid. Kids are dreamers. Yeah, and it's like if you just talk to a kid in a way they understand, 
they will just completely take it on board because they're always, you know, playing pretend. Playing pretend is acting and that's all. It, it Yeah, blah, blah. That was, <laughs> that was like really inspirational what you just said though. Yeah. Playing pretend is acting. Acting is playing pretend is probably a better way to say that. Mm. But um, yeah, and kids are just naturals at it. And you just um, give them the space they need and they'll, you know, they'll do it. I love kids. I'm all about promoting... Um, I guess, I don't know what you call it, youth, promoting youth, because I think we underestimate the power of our young people. And me and you, we're still young. I'd call us young people. Yeah. 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 I think under 32. 32? I don't know. That's a weird age, 32. I don't know. I just thought you're 29, but you're you kind of like 24 or 25. <laughs> Is that a good thing? Gary's actually, it's weird to think you're nearly 10 years older than me. Or like. Because you're just like my mate. A year know. younger than Sam. Yeah, guys, Sam is so old, but he's 30. This is our production manager and our mate. He is 30 years old, but he's so old. He's <laughs> so old. He's like young in some aspects and then really old. Yeah. But Gary's just young. Mm. Just everywhere. Yeah. Anyway, so taking him back to the short films. Yeah, so the short films. Um, that's really cool. I don't really know what else to say. Uh, yeah. The problem is that I've did them with like ABC Gary's, and Sorry, NITV. Gary, pause you. Gary apparently is really bad at speeches. So uh, that might be yeah. why you just don't like talking about it. I don't know. It's weird. Like the the whole speeches thing that you're talking about is um, like acceptance speeches. Mm. I always find really weird. Like I don't mind doing Q&As on stage. But like doing a speech on stage is just awkward because you're you're talking and everyone else is just like silently staring at you, <laughs> you know. And it just it's so unnatural. Like that's not how people are naturally like. <laughs> anyway, we'll go back to what you were saying. Sorry, I interrupted you rudely. Yeah, um, short films. What was I saying? <laughs> I don't know what I was saying. You were saying NITV. You doing oh, some yeah. stuff? Yeah, they're on NITV and ABC. So you got to go on ABC iView and look up Doug the Human. That's a short film I did with Gabriel Willie. And later this year on NITV or SBS on Demand, maybe I think um, you can watch The Lost Crystals of Jessica's Room, which is the film I just did. That's awesome. That's mm. working with kids again, isn't it? Yeah, that was the one with the kids. And that was an all-black cast, everyone. All-black cast and crew. Oh, not crew. Oh, well, a lot. But a lot, yeah. Um, Mostly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Doug the Human uh, was about an alien kidnapping a human and turning him into a pet. And oh, wow. It was Gabriel Willie, who was the bush tucker bungee. So, yeah, that was just that. I haven't seen that. I'll have to have a look. Yeah, I know. I've sent you the links <laughs> so you can watch them. Shame job. Worst friend. I will mm. get to it one day. And I'm doing this podcast for you. And you're <laughs> the films no, I'll go home tonight after we eat delicious Indian food, guys. Mm. I feel sorry for everyone that's not here. It's pretty special to be here, like in these times, eh? Hey? Yeah, and just be everything be normal, mm. but as normal as it can be. But taking it back to the film festival, what films were put into these festivals? Um, Doug the Human, Saving Seagrass, and The Lost Crystals have has just started doing its festival run. And it's a bit annoying because I'm here working, but I guess that's a good problem to have, you know, to mm. be too busy working to go to a festival. You forgot Brooks film. Oh, yeah, I completely forgot you Brooks have film. To, this, okay, guys, well, Gary just benched his Kunga, who is awesome too, and they just uh, released a documentary with Brooks' uncle called The Aboriginal Warrior. Yeah, so the reason I forgot it is because Brooke is so amazing 
and so talented. Oh, she's looking at us right <laughs> that, now. Um, I kind of think it's her film. Yeah. Because she, it's her story. She wrote it and she produced it and... It's about her uncle. So it's a very personal mm. story to her and her family. And to me, like, I was just, first of all, I was like kind of honored that they kind of um, took me on board so I could, that you know, like they kind of let me tell that story because that's a very kind of like a very honorable thing to have happened to you. You know what I mean? Like to mm-hmm. someone to say, like, can you tell my life story? It's, it's a lot a, of pressure. Yeah, it's a lot of pressure, but it's it's more like, it's just like a special thing. You're like, wow, mm. like, yes, I will. Thank you. Um, but yeah, I don't, I did direct it, but I didn't mention it because it, yeah, it's, it's, Brooke, it's Brooke's You feel film. like it's Brooke's, yeah. yeah well, it is Brooke's, but yeah. I'm just like, I just came on to help Brooke tell that story. Mm-hmm. Then that wasn't my story to tell. And we are getting Brooke on the podcast. And Brooke will be next. Yes. So you'll hear all <laughs> about that, but it's a really good um yeah, it turned out really well. Uh, it's been in a lot of festivals. It actually went to Imaginative, which is in Canada. So I think that's the biggest First Nations film festival. Oh, in is the that world. First Nations people in the world? Yeah, but it's in it's in Toronto. But is that for every First Nations peoples in the world, or is it just Aboriginal people from Australia? Um. So when I said it was the biggest? No, I mean, like, was it a First Nations? It's an international uh, film festival run by the First Nations people over in Canada. Canada. And it is all the films put in by First Nations people around the world? I think so. I've never been. That's pretty cool. This is the first film that got accepted. I tried with my other films and they didn't let me, so I it's don't know. It's because this one was uh, Brooks film. <laughs> this one's Brooks film, so it got in. So that's why it got in. Yeah. She's the better half. It won uh, <laughs> Best Indigenous Short Film at Cinefest. Mm-hmm. And uh, Lost Crystal won Best WA Film at the same time, so that was pretty cool. Yeah, that is really cool. Mm. Very dynamic couple. I don't know if that's the word. Yeah, like it works really well because she's a producer and um, I direct, so it kind of, you know, not only can we um, live together, we can work together too. Mm. What is your craziest film story? What is something that, if you can, remember that has really stuck out to you in your times of making films? Can be funny, can be sad, probably more so funny, but if you want to go down the sad road, we can do that too. Yeah. I don't know about craziest. And it's a bit hard because probably the craziest things I can't really say. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we'll keep that for off the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Sorry, I just burped. I don't know. <laughs> What's something that you really enjoyed? What's the film that you enjoyed the most making? Probably uh, Brooke's film, Aboriginal Warrior, mm. because Brooke is an amazing producer and the film was just a, a joy to make. Like, there were no issues, there were no problems. And, you know, a lot of every film has problems, but I feel like that one had the least problems it was just so smooth uh the group she got like the crew she got for it was really amazing we all worked well together and yeah it was just it was the easiest film i've ever made so that was just that in itself was made it really special you know what i mean yeah that's lovely yeah it was cool do you think you'll ever go back to film school um nah i don't think so seebs 
Or do you just mm. feel like you've gotten the education? Do you have to have a big education in the film industry? Is it nah. more experience? Uh, that's one good thing about the film industry is that you don't need any kind of certificate or anything like that. It's all just, you know, your experience gets you the jobs. So mm. um, that's all that matters. Yeah, well. Mm. You don't need any qualifications. So if you could give advice... What's something you would tell your younger self? I know we've said about the film industry, but just in general, what is something? Um, 16-year-old Gary. Let's go 16. 16. I don't know. Maybe just, like, believe in yourself a bit more. Oh. You know, like, just... And, like, it's okay to make mistakes, to fail. Actual, though. Because, you know, even though when you're that young, you feel like every decision is important, really it's not at all it's not and nothing I've done in school really has affected me now you know what I mean like none like but go to school please yeah go to school but I mean, what I meant is like the decisions I've made when I was around that age nothing has really had a really big effect on me now you can't even think of what you can't even think of it yeah that you made. so just go out there have fun make mistakes and just go for it don't be shame Actual. don't be shame be game Stay tuned for that punchline. <laughs> yeah. Everyone from Mum Talk. Well, Gary, thank you for so much for coming on. We've had a few, we've had a couple of hiccups along the way. We're trying to get you on this and then the thing going flat. And Maybe just it wasn't a, meant to be. I we shouldn't have. Yeah. Well, it's recording now. So. Yeah, it's happened. Yeah. But thank you for coming on Mum Talk and it's been awesome. I can't wait to work with you um, for the next six weeks and maybe on other projects. You never know. Yeah, we'll see how this goes. No, no, no. <laughs> we'll see um, if um, I, I don't quit. No, nah. yeah. um, <laughs> Gary does get fired. Yeah, something that happens. Anyway, yeah, thanks for having me on. <laughs> on and yeah, it was real fun. Mm. Can you say goodbye in like language or something? I oh, know. Say, say palia. Oh, it's palia goodbye. Well, it's hello goodbye. Oh, say uh, color. Just say color. Color then you mob. He said like color. Color, yeah. Color. Well, thanks guys for listening and tune in for more podcasts. Thanks everyone for joining us on Mob Talk this week. If you like this podcast, please share it with your friends and don't forget to chuck us a follow on Instagram. And we'll see you all for another yarn soon. Mm